Welcome to Library Safety and Security with Dr. Steve Albrecht. I'm the very same Dr. Steve Albrecht, and this podcast is sponsored by Library 2.0 and produced by the founder of Library 2.0, Steve Hargaden. My topic for this half hour is Library Event Emergency Plans. We're going to talk about a template that I got from my good friend Chet Price, who is the Safety and Security Manager at the Jacksonville, Florida Public Library. So we'll talk about the value of creating an event emergency plan for anything that is sort of out of the ordinary that you do for your library. Could be a children's reading event, could be an author signing event, something that brings in a celebrity or somebody who's uh, an important elected official, something like that. So we'll talk about the template that Chet has created. And Chet is an old law enforcement guy from Indianapolis, former SWAT officer and a commander and a trainer. And he has created what I think is the ideal template for libraries to use for any kind of event that's sort of larger than what you usually do. Most of the things we do in the library are pretty standard and the people that we invite in for small groups and things like that, not necessary to have this type of plan. But if you have an event that could be a little bit controversial, you have an event that could be outside and have weather issues, you have an event that could start from inside and go out to a patio area or involve your conference center or one of your auditoriums and you're going to bring a large number of people in. Think about the events that you will invite school children, uh, maybe K through six or high school kids coming in. Uh, think about events that may involve the elderly, where you may have ambulatory issues or how you may move folks that have physical disabilities. So we're going to talk about all that as part of this event emergency plan. And what I'd like you to think about is how do you capture some of these, these um, subcategories and some of these issues that you need to fill in you can create your own form that's similar to what Chet has created for Jacksonville. He has given me a copy of this form and I'm going to put it into my two new book which I'm working on right now uh, which will be coming out uh, in the fall, The Safe Library. So The Safe Library is the sequel to my ALA book uh, in 2015, Library Security. So we'll be talking about his kind of modality and his design thoughts for this event emergency plan, this template, and I'd like you to think about what you do to capture these types of ideas for your own facility, thinking about the events that you have had in the past, what may have went really well, what may have not went so well, what security or safety or evacuation issues you may have had to face at some point in time. So the subtitle of the new book, The Safe Library, is going to be Keeping Staff and Patrons Secure in a Changing World, and we're certainly in one. So when we come back from the pandemic, whenever that is, we're going to be having events in the library where we're going to be bringing people in on a regular basis for uh, programs involving kids and seniors and, and folks that need immigration help and things like that. So we're going to have a, um, a new thought process about how the library is going to reopen under safe conditions, under sanitary conditions, but also we have a duty to protect the people that come into the library. I'm not a lawyer, but I have the, had this explained to me, this concept of called an invitee relationship. We're inviting people into our library. Um, a, a parallel would be a hotel. The hotel invites guests into the hotel. They have an in invitee relationship, which means we have a duty of care, which is more than just somebody walking down the street. We have a duty of care for everybody that we invite into our library facilities. So take some notes, formulate your own customized version of this form. Um, think about the bigger your facility, the larger types of facilities that you have as a library, the more you're going to have to think about this type of event emergency plan as you go forward. And the more you may need this as your facility grows in, in terms of the types of programs that it offers.
So I guess I'm embarrassed to admit that it took me about 20 years of working in library security, I started in 2000, to even stumble upon this idea of an event emergency plan. It's not till I went out to Jacksonville, Florida in, um, at the end of 19, and I met Chet at the facility and, and uh, had a walkthrough with him, and he showed me the things that they're doing in their, their large downtown facility. And then he talked about the event emergency plan as something that people um, in his business are thinking about, and I had not even did not even crossed my mind, and not even think about why you would need an event emergency plan. I guess when I think about these types of things for large scale, large larger activities going on in the library, I sort of defaulted, as perhaps maybe we all do, and think, well, that's the responsibility of the fire department, or that's the responsibility of the police department, or that's the responsibility of maybe the fire marshal or somebody who is not me. Uh, in actuality, if you're in a safety or a security responsibility position in your library, then these are probably top of mind thought processes. And for a guy like me, who's in the safety and security business for the library, I guess I never thought about the importance of this document and how complex these things can be. We'll go through the various headings and the templates that you can create for your own type of form. But it's only after I met Chet that I started thinking about the world of possibilities where all these things may come into play for the library event that you're planning. And again, we're not talking about five kids coming in for a reading hour. We're talking about 50 people in our facility. We're talking about 100 school kids coming off of you know, five school buses, something like that, where it's going to be a necessity to think about this. So if you have an event coming up and you can use this process, this discussion we're having now on the podcast, as a way to really kind of prepare and have some sort of new thinking about how we're going to do new library events, I think then, then that's a good use of our time together. So think about, and certainly you have a lot more examples than the ones I've given you here, but think about we have a toddlers and moms program where we have you know 50 moms coming in with their kids. And think about a, a K-6 uh, exercise where the kids are coming in to watch a play or they're coming in to watch a uh, a readings type of a situation. They're coming in to watch some dance performance or something like that. Um, you got all these um, middle school and elementary school kids running around. You've got high school kids coming in. You have a, a musical. You've got a, a movie night. You've got a, a reading involving an author. And think about, you know, you have on these days when everybody is kind of upset about everything, we have an author coming in who maybe is controversial or maybe at political issues. We have both sides of the political spectrum in terms of who may want to protest uh, this person's appearance at your library. I think about even something like a, a book sale. Uh, out where I am in Springfield, Missouri, uh, we have an annual book sale for the library and it actually goes four days. It starts on Thursday afternoon for the friends of the library and folks that, that pay a little bit of extra money can come in and get first choice. Then on Friday, it's open all day to the public. Saturday, open all day to the public. And then Sunday, kind of a catch-all. You come in with a, a bag and all the books you can stuff into a bag for like 10 bucks. And that's how they wrap it up on Sunday. So this event is actually held at our fairgrounds out here in Springfield. And we have cops there to, and security to protect the money because a fair amount of dough changes hands. And we have people directing traffic. And we have a big parking area. And, and hundreds and hundreds of people come in to go to this book sale every year. Uh, when I went last year, it was in the pouring rain. I got out of my car and ran for the building. And, and there were tons of people inside, you know, shaking off their umbrellas and, and getting ready to buy books, which was great. So even something like, you know, kind of a benign activity like a, a major book sale at your facility, you may need to think about the security piece of it, the cash handling part, how we protect the fiduciary instruments, things like that.
Think about if you have an elderly audience, mostly elderly, uh, there may be issues about evacuation and, and a fire plan. Uh, if you've got wheelchairs in the facility for kids or disabled adults that are in wheelchairs or walkers with disabled adults or elderly folks with canes, things like that, how are we getting them from point A to point B if there was an actual emergency, which is pretty rare, I'll give you that. But we're talking about things like a, a power outage or some type of a gas leak or something that we really don't ever anticipate happening. We've got to have a plan for it. We think about people coming in that may have sort of VIP status. This could be uh, celebrities or celebrity authors, controversial authors. It could be elected officials in your local area. It could be the governor or lieutenant governor or something like that, senators, congresspeople. It could be dignitaries coming in from, from various places. They may have their own security concerns. They may have their own security team. Certainly the governor will. Certainly elected officials may have them, depending on where they're coming from. Um, I'm good friends with some folks at the U.S. Capitol Police, and they follow the Congress people around, they follow the senators around, and they do uh, advance work and security work for some of the appearances that they make. So we may have a, a security team that comes in and wants to talk with you about the security plan, and you may have to have something to be able to show them or at least walk them through. You may have publicity people that are connected to the authors or publicity people that are connected to celebrities or movie stars or people that you have come to the facility. You may have um, publicity people connected to the politicians and they're going to want to think about uh, the safety of the entire event as well. So uh, folks could be using your auditorium, your conference center, your conference room. Maybe there's a, an adjacent um, kind of area that's that's next door to your library. Oftentimes the libraries I go to for training, there'll be City Hall right next to the library. There'll be a large uh, county building, which is used for county meetings and things like that. There'll be a large city council chambers, and th that may be part of the library's security discussion as well, since it's right next door. So lots of things to think about as the possibilities. What size of the room that we're trying to protect? Is it an indoor, completely only facility? Are you doing something outdoor where there's like a patio, there's a courtyard? We've got lighting issues, maybe um, concerns about weather, um, again, you know, is it something that's going to be made slippery as a result of the rain, stuff like that? Are you having uh, live music? Is there alcohol being served for various reasons at the event? Is there food being brought in? Is there um, loud music there that's going to bug the neighbors? And you, we need to address that as well. One of the things that I sort of think about is kind of an afterthought in, in library security and in building security in general is the PA system. We usually only think about the PA system when we need one, and sometimes we discover it doesn't work or it hasn't worked since about the Eisenhower administration. So part of your safety and security discussion for a large event is how are we going to notify the various safety and security stakeholders in the event that we have to get a hold of them for a non-emergency discussion or an emergency discussion. That could include the use of radios, walkie-talkies, stuff like that, cell phones, landline phones, and also what value or what use can we get out of the PA system that we put into place that has things like code words that, that gives an announcement to the security team or to the library team about what's going on and what kind of use may we need for the PA system in the event of an emergency. More things to think about include maybe a badging system. Do we have people that need to be let into certain areas in the event but not other areas? And so parents and kids need a special badge to make sure that they keep track of each other. Uh, we have badging for the staff, the library staff, which is different than perhaps library um, um, patrons or visitors. 
We have uh, library badges for the security team that are temporary, things like that. So there may be a need for teachers to be able to get into certain areas, like to use the staff restroom with their kids. Uh, we have teachers, teachers' aides, parents escorting uh, classrooms when they have classroom visits, things like that. How do we keep track of those folks? Do we have kind of a temporary label, sticky badge type of a system? Those types of thoughts. Again, our biggest concerns are the things that are probably the most rare, which is fire, pretty rare these days, but they happen. A power shortage or power outage, something like that, some type of weather event. Certainly rain, wind, um, hurricanes, tornadoes, things like that are, are pretty possible. And then these days in the, in the protest, who comes into our thought process and maybe wanting to disrupt events? Certainly I've seen things like the drag queen reading uh, issues where protesters have come. We've seen protesters come for certain controversial authors on both sides of the political spectrum. So there's lots of possibilities there. And then just like a fire, the rare possibility of an active shooter uh, doesn't seem likely, certainly, but we've seen uh, active shooters in this country. Do we have an evacuation plan? Do we have a shelter-in-place plan? Do we have a way to lock the doors and protect the people inside the facility from that type of outside harm? So when I think about who are your liaison partners for any kind of event or emergency plan, it's going to be the fire department. It could be the fire marshal coming in and doing an uh, event inspection before the event happens, just a walkthrough to make sure that he or she is happy about what they see in terms of fire protection, evacuation, lighting, things like that, smoke alarms, um, smoke uh, systems, water uh, systems for fires, things like that. Certainly, the police may be involved, depending on the seriousness of the event, in a just kind of a walkthrough, a pre-event walkthrough. Uh, you may get that from Capitol Police or Secret Service if there's a, a dignitary, um, you know, political dignitary coming through. Um, security is going to be part of an advanced team for the Secret Service or an advanced team by the Capitol Police if we're having a dignitary come on board. And then when you look at the totality of the event, who needs to be involved at the leadership level at the library? Who needs to be involved as library director, library managers and supervisors? And then what staff assignments and what staff roles need to be played? And, and what can each of those folks, ranging from the staff all the way up to the director, what can they contribute? To, this, to the success of the event and the event safety plan with their contribution of not only what's going on and their knowledge of the people that are coming in, but also the facility itself. There's a phenomenon, and I'm, I'm sorry to have to report it, but you know it's true. There's a phenomenon that exists, which is sort of the chicken little thing, which is you as a library director, manager, supervisor, employee, someone responsible for security, got everybody all charged up, everybody all worked up, everybody all nervous and worried about something that never happened or could never happen or didn't happen. So I've spent my a lot of my career telling people that things need to be thought about and prepared for and then when those things did not happen people see, said, see, you wasted our time, you wasted our money, you wasted our energy, nothing you predicted took place, you got everybody all worked up for nothing, you overreacted and I usually say you're welcome. I'm not being flippant here, I'm being realistic. Sometimes the idea that Chicken Little says that people don't want to talk about tough things. People don't want to talk about fire protection in a building that's never caught on fire. People don't want to talk about evacuation issues if it's never been a problem in the building before. So oftentimes in a security or event planning or kind of a liability concern discussion, you're never gonna get credit 
for preparation. You're never going to get credit for prevention. You're only going to get blamed for the problems. So I always say, okay, let's have an event. Let's have an event security safety plan. Let's have an event emergency plan like we're talking about now. All the things that I've done at my level, all the things I've asked people around me to do at their level, that we did our job, nothing bad happened, great, let's, let's prepare for the next event and, and have a good time at it. So when you think about this, the idea of checking to make sure the AED machines or the first aid kits are full before we have the event, it sounds like something you go, what do we need to do that for? And there's never been a problem. We've never had to use those things. Again, I always say to people, okay, uh, you're probably right. Just humor me. Let's go through this discussion and, and check and make sure these things are okay, just to be on the safe side. So in that same vein, let's talk about some things that are rare but could happen. I'll give an example of something which could be a huge hassle and extremely unlikely and something I've talked about many times in my career, which is bomb threats. I remember getting a phone call from a Canadian uh, facility that was running a huge cancer benefit. And they were going to have this gala dinner with um, entertainment and a bunch of folks paid a lot of money to be there, a whole black tie event. It was going to raise a million dollars for cancer research. They called me after it was over. And they said, we had a bomb threat and we canceled the event. And I said, why? And they said, because we had a bomb threat. And I said, why did you cancel the event? And they said, because we had a bomb threat. And we went around and around in the circular discussion. I said, did the police respond to the facility? Yes. Did they find a bomb? They did not. Did any kind of bomb ever go off after the event? No. So when you canceled this event, it cost you over a million dollars in, in, uh, in money that you would have received for cancer research. Yes, correct. Okay. Um, how did the threat come in? Uh, it was a telephone call. Who do you think made the threat? I don't know. It sort of sounded like a kid. Really? We, we canceled a million-dollar event because some kid made a bomb threat? Now, this is where we get into the discussion where people say, Steve, you don't like, you don't like people and, and uh, you're, you're just thinking about business all the time. That's absolutely wrong. I've been a shepherd my entire adult life. I've protected people since I was 21 years old. When I think about safety and security, when I put my head on the pillow at night, I'm also going back to the idea of possibilities and weighing the odds that something as ridiculous as a bomb threat made over the phone is going to turn into a real bomb. And here's how we know. Based on lots and lots of research that I have done and lots and lots of experience I have in dealing with bomb threats, I know that bomb threat makers make bomb threats and bombers make bombs. Bombs are made by bombers and they don't make bomb threats. And how we know this, we look at events that have happened where there was a real bomb. Oklahoma City bombing, the marathon bombing done by the two Chechen brothers in Boston for the marathon, um, the, the Unabomber, some of the people that have had used bombs in their activities to blow up buildings and things like that did not, and I underline this, did not make a bomb threat. Lots of bomb threats come in, and that is what we call howler behavior. These people want attention. They want to disrupt the business. They want to shut down something like a charity event like this. It's not a real bomb. Bombers make bombs, and they don't stop people by warning the building of a bomb threat. Now, that doesn't mean I don't call the police. That doesn't mean I don't ask the police to bring in their sheriff's dogs and come around and look for a bomb. But it also means I look and say, what are the likelihood of this type of possibility here? And it's very, very small. There has not been a bomb that has bombed a United States airline since 1962. A Continental Airlines flight went down over a cornfield in Iowa in 1962 because a guy brought a bomb on board. That was before we checked people on airplanes. So in over 50 years, there has not been a bomb on a United States airline in the United States. Real bombers make bombs. Bomb threat makers make bomb threats. 
So doesn't mean I won't want to search. Doesn't mean I won't evacuate the facility if we find a suspicious package or device that's not supposed to be there, but I'm not shutting down the library or shutting down a charity event because of a phone call. When I think about the idea of shelter in place, whether it's a weather issue, which would probably be most likely, but very unlikely event like an active shooter, we have the run, hide, fight discussion, which I've written about extensively. If you look at the three things we do in this country for the rare possibility of an active shooter, run out of the building, taking as many people as you can, hide out inside the building, lock it down until the police get there, fight back. If we look at the evacuation piece, that's one whole movement of getting people out of a conference room, a conference center, an auditorium, a movie theater, a training room, someplace that you're using for your library event, or versus a shelter-in-place part, which is we lock the facility, we lock the doors, we move people into a safe area, we lock the doors or, uh, of the room that the folks are in, and we keep them out until the police respond. Think about some of the other concerns that you have from kind of an exterior perspective, which is parking. And who's going to um, have kind of parking control duties? Who may have to set up kind of parking zones? Do we need to hire a company that, that comes in and manages parking for us if we're having a big event? Are we setting up parking spaces that we can block off for dignitaries or people that are going to come in that need to be close to the building? So parking is part of the event management discussion as well. We also need to think where the police or the fire or the emergency folks, uh, paramedics and ambulance folks may need to stage. Is there a specific area where they need to set up if they have to come inside of our building? So these things can all be discussed and thought about through this written event emergency plan. These things can be talked about as part of a walkthrough pre-event. And then even after the event is over and then you're in the afterglow of a successful event, you had 20 people there, you had 250 people there. The next couple of days you do a walkthrough again and you figure out what went well, what needs to be improved. You take notes, you have someone kind of walk through and scribe with you what things that you're thinking about off the top of your head, what your colleagues are saying about what can be improved for next time. As I said, I'm going to put a template copy, a template example of an event emergency plan based on the one that I got from Chet Price at Jacksonville Public Library. But let me go through some of the headings on some of the pages here just to give you a sense of what he's talking about and some of the things that you're probably already considering as you look at your own creation of this own document. So it says here, ensure this document is sent to the safety and security manager at least 45 days prior to your event. Okay, that seems like a fairly long span of time. I would say at least uh, 30 days would be would be great. Two weeks would be probably at the at the um, you know end point in which you want to get something created. Make sure this um, this document is available on site at the time of your event for quick referencing. In the event of emergency, certainly want to call 911, or if your phone system requires it, nine then 911. Um, the person in charge of of the event should have a copy of this emergency operations plan, this emergency event plan, that type of thing. What's the start date and time? What's the end date and time? What's the location? Is the location some places that we've used before and we're very familiar with it? There's a place we've not used before. Is this a regular event that we're going to do every two weeks, every month, every three months? Is it something we're going to do once a week? Is it something that's a, that's a one-time event? Then on kind of the first page of this document, it says describe the event that's going to happen. What is it in, in, a, in about a paragraph or so that's going to take place? Who's going to be there? Um, is it, you know, a kind of a program that, that we can cap capsulate, capture the, the what is going to be in about a paragraph or so. Then we talk about the attendance. Who's going to be there? It could be 20 people. It could be 250 people. Um, who are the 
um, event leaders, um, the people by library department and telephone number and contact and title, uh, people outside the library and city or county situations, or you know who are the responsible folks coming in from outside that are connected to the PR firm or the publishing company or or the, or the group that's going to um, be in charge of the you know kind of the celebrity part of it. Have we developed kind of a physical command center? Where are we going to stage our leadership team? We're going to put them in the back at a table. We're going to put them up in the in the PA booth with the projectors and things like that. Where are we going to put those folks? What's the schedule of events in terms of event milestones, things we need to do before the event happens, things that need to do while the event is happening, and things that we need to do after the event, like clean up, things like that. So there's dates and times and kind of event milestones, locations of the event, and who's in charge of that particular part. Who's in charge of the food, and who's in charge of the catering, and who's in charge of the getting the person from the airport to the, to the library. Who's in charge of cleanup afterwards, that type of stuff. Then we talk about the communications plan. Are we using radios? Are we using cell phones? Are we using landlines or a combination? Are we using PA systems? And do we have some type of code word in the PA system that says, you know, this particular code word means this is an emergency. This particular code word means please come to the back and come talk to us, things like that. Uh, what kind of medical supplies do we have on hand? The usual first aid kits, uh, AED machines, things like that. Uh, do we need to hire, because it's a large event, we need to hire a, a paramedic team to be standing by, things like that. Weather is definitely a discussion in the event emergency plan. Um, who's paying attention to the weather? What kind of concerns do we have? You know, rain and wind and things like that. Um, how many days before the event might we have to cancel and for what reasons? How many days, um, um, in terms of thinking about the event, do we have sort of a drop dead before we can go forward or we have to cancel the event? Uh, think about the movement to get your folks from outside, if it's a weather-related issue, inside. So plan A is we have them in a big patio area adjacent to the library, and plan B is we have to move them inside into, into the conference room or a conference center or an auditorium. How's that going to be done? Um, what do we have in terms of shelter-in-place locations? This stairwell, this, uh, this conference room here, we're going to stage people in a certain event. Uh, if it's not an active shooter, we're going to stage people outside the building in this location here in the event of a fire or something like that. Where is that going to be? We're going to have uh, physical security uh, on, on, uh, during the event. Like lock, These doors will be kept locked the entire time. We'll have um, security there who is uh, security guards that we have hired from an outside agency or we're using our own security that works inside the library. One of the things to think about using security, whether it's your own security guards or, or a contract company that you hire, is when do they come on, on board? How do we brief them? What uniforms we, would we like them to wear? Are they wearing parking lot, you know, yellow windbreakers? Are they wearing plain clothes, blazers, that type of thing? Um, do we have a start time when they have to be on post and a stop time uh, once everybody has left the, left the event or the venue or the facility or the library is closed, that type of a thing? Uh, we have armed security because there's cash uh, handling situations or expensive items are being displayed, some kind of art exhibit or something like that is being brought to the library. Or we have unarmed security. Uh, the police are there for, for armed security as necessary or not. So then we think about various types of um, uh, personnel assignments. 
um, who we're going to give various assignments to based on their position in the library. Uh, this, these folks in the library, this department will handle this, this part of the event. Uh, this part of the event will be handled by another uh, department in the library and another group of folks. Again, <clears throat> we're thinking about access control. These doors are going to be kept uh, open as people can come and go. These doors are only going to require people who have a certain badge to come into this part of the facility. Uh, these part, part, uh, these, this part of the facility, the door is going to be kept locked. Can we write a little briefing sheet or a little template or a little cheat sheet for everybody to have in their pocket who's going to be uh, responsible for the event, like some telephone numbers and some important considerations and some evacuation information just in case? Uh, we may want to draw out or sketch out a little map. Um, if we have the ability just to kind of sketch out, you know, this room is going to be used for this, this room is going to be used for this, we're going to use this room for the celebrities to kind of have as a green room or a staging area. We're going to put the media, if they come into this room here, so they can talk to the participants or the, the, or the elected officials or the celebrities, whoever it happens to be. So again, when you're thinking about the possibilities here, you say, Steve, this may be way more than we need to do. This, this is like overkill. We don't do these types of events. And I go, okay. If that's true, then keep this template in mind, this idea of the event emergency plan template, a form that you create in mind for as you expand and as you start to grow your programs in the community and as you start to get back, especially in the pandemic world we're in now, as you start to get back to richer, more detailed, more sophisticated events, the things that are really connected to the library that, that kind of spill out of the library doors and into adjacent areas, that this idea of the event emergency plan is, is just really a good one. So I hope that's been useful for you. When I think about all the things that we have here, it's good liability thought process, good liability prevention discussion. It makes our lawyer friends happy around the library. It makes our, our insurance liability uh, carriers happy when we think about these types of things. It also gives a little more, I think, um, peace of mind to the, to the staff that we've thought through these things and also gives peace of mind to the people that are participating in the event as not only the celebrities or elected officials or authors or kids, whoever happens to be coming in, as well as the patrons. So think about this event, emergency plan, all of the necessary steps that we've been talking about as part of your ongoing discussion about how you're going to grow and really um, improve the protection and safety and security for the programs that you're bringing into the facility. So my thanks to the producer of the Library Safety and Security Podcast, that's Steve Hargaden. For more information, visit Library 2.0 website at library20.com. You'll find all the information about Library 2.0, including my webinars and information about me and information about Steve Hargan's programs as well. Until next time, I'm Dr. Steve Albrecht. Thanks for listening to the Library Safety and Security Podcast.